chapter 1, verse 26. You guys ready? All right. It says this, in the sixth month of the angel, Gabriel was sent. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, the God, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. Everyone say favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Last night, my wife and I went to a fancy schmancy birthday party in Orange County. And uh, we got all dressed up. I put on my Vaseline suit. You guys don't know what a Vaseline suit, that's a, that's a like, you know, it's a black suit, but it shines. It's got glimmer to it, you know, it's like, shh, you know. And the thing, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, confess to you. I don't just buy a suit. Mm-mm. When I buy a suit, I, I take it to the tailor and then I have them fit it on me. So it just kind of like lays on me, you know. And, and it makes me look skinnier than I am. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's just like, it's, if, so I had that suit, the special suit that I had specially tailored for me. And I was wearing that. So she said, she went to the closet and pulled out a dress. She said, should I wear this red one or this black one? I was like, babe, you need to look better than me. Because I look good. (laughs) I'm looking good. I mean, look at me, all right? And so she said, okay, what should I wear? So I went to the closet and said, wear this one right here. She put on that dress. Man, I looked at her. I was like, I'm bringing you home tonight. I am bringing you home tonight. And I brought her home that evening. And the baby started crying. And there went the plans. <laughs> That's what you have to look forward to when you have an infant. Hey, man, praise the Lord. <laughs> but as we're driving to Orange County, Pauline uh, looks at me and she says, don't you just love Christmas? And I'm like, oh, we're about to have that conversation. She's going to ask me what I want for Christmas or what she wants for Christmas or what our Christmas plans are. And I'm like, oh, why do you like Christmas? She's like, all oh, the music and the lights and, and just the cozy feeling. Just like, don't you want to just snuggle and, and family? And I'm just like, eh. yeah, sort of. And then I felt like the Grinch, so I had to kind of change my attitude. Mirari a few weeks ago told me, you need to change your attitude about Christmas, okay? You need to be happy about Christmas. And I'm like, listen, the thing is that I listen to Christmas music year-round. It could be August, and I'm listening to Christmas music, all right? I'll put on Mariah Carey's Christmas album in July, back when she could sing. Amen? Praise the Lord. Yeah, when she still had the... See, the thing is... <laughs> I got to be honest, all right? Nick Cannon did that. You know, you... you... <laughs> all right, all right. See, that's when you mix good vocals with Nickelodeon, ruins it. It's over. But, but I, I love Christmas music. I listen to it year-round. And I'm like, you know, I carry this Christmas spirit with me all the time, babe. And the thought dropped on me that the first Christmas was not like the Christmases that we get to enjoy. The first Christmas, there were no Christmas carols being sung. There were no major artists that were releasing their Christmas album 2,000 years ago. There was no lights. There was no Christmas tree lots around the city. There was no Macy's Christmas parade. There were no Black Friday sales. There were no lights at the Mission Inn. None of those things existed. The thing about those things is that those things usually are a celebration of a festival for people who've forgotten about the Lord of the Feast. 
The people are celebrating and, and experiencing eggnog and mistletoe and Christmas cheer, but they haven't yet experienced the person who brings that cheer. And even if you are a secular mind or, or a person who's, who's far from God who enjoys the holiday season, the only reason why you're experiencing it is because Jesus, because God sent his son for us to experience Christmas. See, the thing is this, that 2,000 years ago, there was tension in Israel. The tension was thick. There was racism. There was oppression. There was classism. There was poverty. There were all kinds of political dramas that were taking place and unfolding. People were angry. People were hurting. People were in pain. People wanted something to happen. And it got to the point where I believe that so many people 2,000 years ago were exclaiming, I can't breathe anymore. Just like people are saying it today. There is tension. There is hurt. There is pain. And if there is a time in our nation where we need to bring the presence of Christmas, I believe it is now. I believe it is now. I believe it is, it is high time that, 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 that the presence of Christmas trumps the presence of Christmas. You'll get that in two hours after you've had lunch. <laughs> the presence of Christmas. The God who comes in the flesh through Jesus Christ, who comes through us, for us, and becomes to dwell with us, needs to be ushered in into a world that's, world that's filled with darkness. There was tension. There was poverty. There was classism. There was crime. There was terrorism. People were living in fear. And the text tells us in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a peasant girl in a no-name city called Nazareth. Uh, Nazareth is, is important to us now because we live after the fact. Now Nazareth is, is, is I had a friend in college whose name was Nazaretta. I was like, what, what's your name? What does that mean? She said, oh, I'm named after Nazareth where Jesus was born. I was like, oh, okay. It's become popular now. But back then, Nazareth was the same as saying Hemet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It was the same as saying Bakersfield, Fresno, and Hemet, Mark. Mark's from Hemet. If you would just stretch your hands to the Hemet people right now, we're going to pray for them. <laughs> Deliverance, healing. <laughs> It was an insignificant city. There was nothing special. There was no landmark that drew people to this region, to this town. So here's Mary, a teenager, a peasant girl, a person who, who doesn't expect anything major to happen to her life. And the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, greetings, O favored one. God is with you. And she's marveled at that greeting. She's surprised. She's like, what kind of a greeting is this? What do you mean I'm favored? I live in Nazareth. I am a nobody. There's no future. There's no hope. I, I'm a peasant girl. I am not favored. What do you mean God is with me? Don't you see the Roman soldiers who have occupied our land, who are completely uh, terrorizing us? What do you mean God is with me? What kind of greeting is that? 
See, some of you are here this morning and, and you think to yourself, you look at your situation, you look at your life, and you're like, I'm not favored, I've been forgotten, I, I'm not significant, I live in Riverside, and God forbid, Colton, praise the Lord. But the message is the same. You're favored, and God is with you. Point number one in my message is, is, is God has chosen you. The word favor is a word of grace. It's a word of, of God's divine sovereignty to choose you, to love you, to set his heart on you. In, not, not, not because you're anything special, but because God has an infinite capacity of love and he chooses you. See, see the thing is this, is that my, my wife and I, we, uh, we fell in love. Okay, I fell in love first. It was kind of awkward. I told her that like we were dating for like maybe six weeks. And I was like, I love you. And she looked at me and said, thank you. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, um, <clears throat> that's not the response I was looking for. She's like, oh, I don't know. It's just like it's happening so fast. I was like, well, I love you. She says, well, I'm very grateful that you love me. <laughs> Thanks. Man, I wanted to look. I was like, this is not working out the way <laughs> I, I fell in love with her because I saw her walk down the stairs in the atrium. She had this red shirt on and these jeans and this, these, these like, I don't know what kind of shoes they are, but it made her look just kind of like, oh, my gosh. I was like, my goodness, I need to know who that woman is. And so I arranged it that I would run into her at the library. She does not even remember any of this, but I remember it because I've cherished those memories in my heart. So I, I find her in the library randomly. <laughs> See, if you're single, you have to plan. You have to plan to make it look random. Okay? I mean, I'm trying to help somebody out right now. Okay? I'm trying to help you out. You got you to, like, you know, you got to be very, very, like, you know, strategic about it. Like, you know, oh, hi. You come here? I didn't know that. I've been stalking you for the last three weeks. I know your schedule. And I got to know her. I got to know her personality. And, and she, she laughed at my jokes and thought I was funny. Single guys, if you, she laughs at your joke, you probably have, you're in. Okay, work it out. She found me witty. I found her witty. I found her intelligent and, and all these things. I started to fall in love with her because of all these great attributes. And I began to give her an image of who I wished to be. I've. At the age of 14, I was a captain of a ship. I owned and operated my own sea vessel. Like, really? This guy's so interesting. I've never met a guy like him. You know, they'll find out later on the truth. <laughs> See, the thing is this, is that God's love and God's choosing you is not based on a resume that you give him. It's not based on you saying, I'm awesome, I'm witty, I'm humorous, and you, you can laugh at my jokes, God. No, God loves you this, the way that Lady Gaga sings about. You're like, what, what, what are you talking about? See, see there's a, a deep theological song that Lady Gaga came out with, and in her lyrics she says this. She says, I love you in your ugly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love you in your what? In your disease. I love you 
in your halitosis, stank breath, morning breath. I love you in your jacked up, busted condition. God looks at you and says, I know you're messed up. I know you mess up over and over again. I know that in two years of you being a Christian, you're still going to mess up. I know that on Tuesday, after coming to church and worshiping me, you're going to mess up. But I still choose you, not in spite of you, but because of you, because it's you. My love is infinite towards you because I love you. And you don't have to do anything to earn my love. I have favored you. I have chosen you. I want you. I want you to come and be part of me. I, I want to change your life. I don't want you to go and work out your life, increase your credit score in order to be acceptable by me. I'll take you just as you are. God takes you like a used car. <laughs> Anybody bought a used car? <laughs> I love the little, the little, uh, little stickers on, 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 the, on the windows. It says, as is. That means you can't come back and return it. God takes you as is, and he's excited about it. He's ecstatic about it. I'll take you as you are. I know, I know you've got a bad muffler. I know your engine's going to mess up, but I'll take you as is. That's the favor. That's the grace of God. Point number one, God has chosen you. Mary receives this message that God has chosen her. And then he, and then he takes the next step uh, higher. He says, and God is with you. Man, the message of Christmas is the message of Emmanuel. Jesus, his other name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. See, man, God with us changes everything. See, every other religion teaches a method and, and a message that says that God is over here. He's holy. He's beautiful. He's glimmery. And you are over there. And you must do everything you can to work towards, you, towards him, to do good things to reach him. But the truth is this. The, the, the devastation is that you find yourself trying to reach him. And you can never reach him because he is infinitely holy and you're infinitely bad. So God... The message of the gospel is God in heaven. There's a gulf that divides us. But he says, I am going to step into their situation. I love them so much. I'm going to come and incarnate myself and pitch my tent, pitch my flag in their situation. Jesus comes into your bad marriage and says, I'm going to dwell in your bad marriage. I'm going to dwell in your bad family structure. I'm going to dwell and live and pitch my tent in your bad finances, in your bad attitude this is where i'm gonna dwell i want to be with you i've chosen you you're mine and i am yours oh don't, don't you just love that not only not only are you his but he's yours now i can take possession of god and i can i can call him my god do, do you know do you understand the significance of that of you saying my god there's no other religion that allows you to say my god to take personal possession of the infinite God, the creator, and say he is mine. Him and I have a thing going on. God with us. Emmanuel. He says, she was perplexed by this greeting, troubled. And, and, and the angel says, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Put, go ahead, put your hand on your head or on your chest, wherever it is, and say, I have found favor with God. 
I have found favor. Wake up in the morning on Monday. Let this preach to you on Monday and just say, I found favor with God. Walk into that board meeting and just say, I have found favor with God. Walk into that test this finals week and just say, I have found favor with God. He has chosen me. I have found favor with God. Walk into that bank and ask for that loan and just say, I have found favor with God. It won't get you the loan, but you'll feel much better. says, verse 31, behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son and shall call his name Jesus. Behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son and call his name Jesus. God has chosen you. God is with you. Now God wants to work through you. God wants to work through you. Christmas would have never happened unless he had passed through Mary's body. Do do you understand the significance of that? He says, behold, you will conceive in your womb a child and call his name Jesus. uh, My son is is 11 months. He'll be a year on the 24th, Christmas Eve. I almost named him Christmas, but Pauline wouldn't let me. I was like, let's at least call him Kris Kringle. Wasn't having it. Uh, thank her. Because <laughs> if it was up to me, it would have been bad. He would have been picked on all his life. <laughs> have me to blame. But the weeks and months leading up to the delivery of our child, uh, my wife made me go to these birth classes. I hated the birth classes. I would tell her, babe, we could have done a YouTube tutorial in 10 minutes and then we could have gotten the Cliff Notes version of this. I did not, want, I did not need to watch a video. I didn't want to watch that. That video was from hell. <laughs> if you're trying to make me feel guilty, you, it worked. I mean, I'm here in the class, and they're watch, we're watching this video, and I'm just kind of like, oh, Jesus, I am never going to listen to Marvin Gaye again. <laughs> Forget 112, Silk, Boys to Men, Joe, Brian McKnight, Luther Van Ross is from the pit of hell. I don't, don't want to listen to it again. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm never going to put mood lighting. No more candles in the house. No more scented nothing. Uh-uh. When I go to bed, I'm wearing a snowsuit. Forget it. I'm never. Uh-uh. Because the whole thing about wombs and... Uh, then you forget about it after you. <laughs> I look at this text and I'm like, God could have used any other method. I wish God would have been like, you know what? For us to send Jesus to the planet Earth, we're going to do a spaceship. He's going to come in a spaceship and, and then step out. I am Jesus. I've come to save the world. <laughs> it would have worked, right? Would have been okay with that. But the, the story and the narrative of, the, of Scripture is that. God wants to do something on earth, but he does it through people. He does it through people. The infinite God wants to do the extraordinary, but he uses finite people and ordinary people in order to bring the blessings, the big things of God. He must use small people, people who have limitations in order to experience the unlimited power that he's able to put in and through them. The great God uses a peasant girl in a no-name city. And the angel says, you will conceive in your womb a baby and call him Jesus. 
Uh, maybe next week we'll talk about what the name means. I don't know. I don't have time. I'm already, yeah, we're out of time. Uh, the angel says this. He says, uh, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him a throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. This is huge, Jason. It's huge. His kingdom will end, will have no end. He will, he will reign on his father David's throne to a peasant girl who's never been educated, who's not coming from a royal family, who has nothing to offer for God to say that the biggest thing that's ever going to happen on the planet Earth is going to come in and through you. She says, how can this be? For I am a virgin. In one sense, she's being very practical. Jesus, I've never had Marvin Gaye played in my I've never, ever had mood lighting. There's never been sent. I've never done the do. Amen? On the other hand, she's also saying that practically my capacity is limited. I don't have the experience necessary for the big things of God to be worked out through me. See, the thing is, it's that God, the way God works is that he always chooses you and I, ordinary people, Jonesy, ordinary people, Gabriel, ordinary people, Andrew, people who, who have limitations, busted, disgusted people. He comes to us and gives us this grand thing. He says, I am going to impregnate you with the blessings of God that will bless all people. And you look at him and say, you can't use me. I'm from Hemet. You don't know my backstory. You don't know my credit report. How can this be? How can this happen? And then he gives. See, the thing is, is that when God gives you an, an impossible task, he gives you the impossible possible of him. <laughs> that was good. The impossible possible of him. That doesn't even make sense. Because God sometimes doesn't make sense. But you just have to say, yes, Lord. Amen. He says, the power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. How is this going to happen? How, how is this great thing going to happen? It's going to be through God himself. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You can't do anything for God unless God comes upon you and works through you, unless his power overshadows you. I was, I was looking at Kevin. Where's Kevin at? Just wave at me. There you are, right? He's wearing his little muscle shirt. He walked in. He's like, check out my triceps, y'all. <laughs> I saw you. I walked in with swagger, man. I was like, man, this guy works out. God knows how much you can bench press, bro. He knows your limitations. You know, you know, that's pitiful. I'm God. I'll overshadow you with my power. Your power has a limit. There's only so much that you can bear, but I'm going to be there to spot you. I'm going to be over you, carrying the weight. I'm almighty God. God has chosen you. God is with you. God works through you. Point number four, God's power, God's possibility trumps your impossibility. God's possibility trumps your impossibility. He says these words. He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. When you face a door that's slammed, when you've reached your limitation, your capacity, you can lean on this verse and say, if God called me to it, nothing will be impossible with God. When you find yourself at that place where he's calling you to do something that's bigger than yourself, you can say that his power will come over you. His, his power will come upon you and nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. Amen. 
Nothing will be impossible with God. God's possibility trumps your impossibility. See, the, the, the channel by which the, the impossibilities of, of, of what God can, wants to do on this planet is only made accessible to this planet when you and I respond the way that Mary responded. I, I was in Uganda l- last week, and, and it, was, it was a very impossible thing for me. It, it really was. I mean, something happens to you when, when you're, oh, my gosh. When you meet kids who, by the age of three, have been raped, have been displaced, have experienced more trauma than anyone's supposed to experience in five lifetimes. And you see them in an orphanage, and then you drive off of the orphanage, and you see other kids that are just wandering the streets, and you're like, there's 150 kids here, but there's 100,000 kids out there. It's impossible. There's no way that we're going to reach those people. There's no way that we're going to change those people's lives. There's no way, there's no way, there's no way. When I meet pastors, man, Pastor Drew, Pastor Scott, it was incredible for me to meet pastors who, who are under the age of 30, who have adopted kids, who live with them, with them in their own homes. One guy has 25 kids who lives in his house with him. I'm like, that doesn't happen in the States. We're comfortable. We want our square footage. We want our comfort. I'll tell you one quick story that broke my heart. Those, uh, one of the pastors, Pastor Wilfred, uh, Wilfred he was um, uh, taking care of this kid that was crying. And then his biological son came up to him and says, you're my daddy. Daddy's mine. And I saw Pastor Wilfred turn to his son and say, son, this is my son too. And I was like, the level of sacrifice. That not only are they making themselves, but their children have to be taught that you have to share your father with other kids that are coming from unknown places. Broke my heart. I was like, how can we change this world? This world is broken. I'm looking at social media. I'm seeing all the anger. I'm seeing Ferguson. I'm seeing Eric Garner. I'm seeing all the things that are being said from both sides. And I'm like, how can we change these things? Nothing will be impossible with God. And you and I have to be willing to be the channel by which God works. God Point number five calls us to a response. God calls us to a response. Mary could have said, you don't understand how inconvenient this is going to be for me, God. Listen, angel, my schedule, tweet me next week. Inbox me later. Right now, you don't understand the level of complication that's going to happen in my life because if I become pregnant and I'm not married, my father can kill me. You don't understand the rejection that's going to take place in my life. You don't understand the risk that I have to face in my life. I don't think that I'm comfortable enough with stretching myself this way. I know that it's going to be possible through you. However, I have my own reality to deal with. She could have responded the way that we would respond too. But she utters probably the most powerful words that you'll ever find in scripture that's uttered by humanity. She says, I am your servant. 
Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She doesn't say, let it be to me according to my convenience, according to my understanding, according to what I can rationalize and logically add up. She says, let it be to me according to your word. That is the response that God calls us to. The question this morning is when God calls you to this big thing, to work through you for God to to operate his great plan through you, what is your response This was the response that Abraham gave to God when he was called out of Ur to go to the land that he'll show him. This is the response that Moses gave to God when he was called to lead the nation of Israel. This is the response that Daniel gave to God when he was in the uh, captivity in Babylon. This is the response that Isaiah gave to God when he was called to be chosen to be a prophet. This is the response that Jeremiah gave to God. This is the response that John the Baptist Gave to God. Everyone that's ever been used by God did not look at their convenience and their situation. Yet they looked at God and his power and said, I am your servant. Whatever you want to do through me, I am willing. I am an open vessel. I am open. I am willing to be a channel. Don't let me get in the way, Jesus. Use me any way that you want. You want to change the world? I am available to you. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. See, here's the thing is that Mary, Mary says these words, but it's the same words that Jesus says. You see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was facing the cross, right before, he he was about to go to the cross to be sacrificed as as uh, an atonement for our sin, to take on the full weight of God's wrath against sin and sinners, to take on the punishment take on the weight of hell for you and I and he he was praying in that garden and sweating blood crying tears his disciples had fallen asleep he was alone and he saw the gravity of what he was going to face and he prayed to the father he says father let this cup pass me I don't want to go through this I'm emotionally distressed my spirit is troubled I cannot face this thing let this thing pass me then he uttered, even so, not my will, but thine. I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. You and I are pregnant with the gospel. We're pregnant with Christ. Just as Mary was pregnant with Christ, you and I are pregnant with the blessings of God. And you can either say, no, can't happen through me. Or you can respond and say, let it be to me according to your word. There is a gravitational pull that we must fight. A gravitational pull that we all have towards selfishness, self-centeredness. And if we're going to see change in our world, We have to understand that God has chosen us. God is with us. God works through us. God's power trumps our powerlessness. And God calls us to a response that says, let it be to me according to your word. That is how we make his presence bigger than the selling and the buying and the sharing of presents. When we say, God, use me. There's... 
two ways for you to respond. If you're not a Christian, I came here to tell you that God's chosen you. He's calling you. And today you can give your life to him. Give your life to him. If you are a Christian, our church collectively, we're going to the season where, where we're, we're not making the, 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 the seasons just simply about us, but we're also making it about the gospel. I'm inviting you to join us in our Christmas offering so we can bring this message of good news to more people in our city and around the world. Amen? Amen. You can respond by, by participating in giving a gift of sacrifice. Not, not equal amount, equal sacrifice. You with me on that? And then secondly, this is a practical one. You can be 13 years old and 30 years old and you can participate in this one. See, on social media, I see all the bad news. But I was thinking to myself, what if we brought the good news even on social media? So I want you to help me out and, and just kind of uh, do some random acts of kindness over the next few weeks that, that, that helps us start an epidemic of compassion in our city. Where we start changing things. Amen? Amen. Start an epidemic of compassion. And so what I want you to do is just wherever you're at, if, you, if you're at Starbucks, maybe buy the coffee for the person next to you and just take a picture of it. Starbucks, Van Buren and King. Buying Starbucks for the person behind me. Hashtag Christmas presents. Hashtag God through us. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> and it's not to bring glory to yourself. But rather, what if other people saw that and it inspired them? To also start doing compassionate things. To bring the presence of Christmas. To make the voice and the sound of God working through you louder than the angry voices of the enemy working in this world. You guys with me? You guys get something out of God's word this morning. Come on, give God a great big hand of praise. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the servants in this house who are going to come and help us tear down. We thank you so much that you, you have a plan that is bigger than what we can conceive or think about. Thank you that you work through us. We are open to you. Lord, we are your servants. Let it be to us according to your word is our prayer to you. We're open. Use us. Use us, Lord. We want to see change. We want to see goodness. We want to see the presence of the Most High in our city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.